have you created space for God in your life? Have you created some margin in your life? Have you written in some margin for the unexpected presence of God so that when it comes, you might delight in him? And when he does come, his presence is with you. Do you know what to do in those times? And then if you die today, are you ready? And the future, this great promise of Christianity that the king will one day return, that there will be a second advent. Do you know what that is? And do you know how to wait for that day? And do you know what to do right now to prepare for that day when it comes? Do you know how to listen for the knock on the door? Today, we're going to look at a parable that teaches us how to prepare to meet with God. And in the parable, if you look close, you're going to recognize that there is a pattern. And in the pattern, you're going to see that there is this grand story that we are in. The story of incarnation, the coming of Christ, the advent of Christ, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and then his promised return. And if you will look close, you're going to see those small patterns throughout the day. But you've got to get good at seeing the patterns. If you lack joy in your life, if you lack peace, if you lack strength, it's because you can't see the pattern and you don't know how to enter into it when you do. In Christ is a fount of joy that will set a kingdom laughing. In him is a whole ocean of wonder that will set the world into worship. And if you aren't experiencing that, then you haven't seen the pattern and entered into it. So that's what we're going to do today. And here's the pattern we're going to find. First, live with expectancy. Second, Receive the blessing, and third, steward the throne. Expectancy, blessing, steward the throne. Here's our parable, Luke 12, 35 through 48. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he, the master, will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watcher and the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants, but know this. That if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. So also, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager? Whom his master will set over his household to give him their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions, meaning the master will set him over all his possessions. 
But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. First point, live with expectancy. The word servant or slave translated in other translation, it doesn't mean forced slavery. The correct word here is bondservant. And what it means is there is a, there is a servant who has voluntarily put himself under the master for a period of time until he makes enough money to then be free again. It was a mutually beneficial agreement that was made between servant and master. Paul calls himself a slave or a bondservant to Christ, and he says every single Christian is the same. To have true freedom is not to be free from all things, but to have the right master. You are all a slave to something. Something will chain you. There's nothing that you can do about it. Your job is a form of chains. Your relationships are a form of chains. <laughs> you are chained here to this earth. There's this thing called gravity. It turns out you can't just jump out of this place. You are chained to land because you are not set free to dive to the depths of the ocean. You aren't made to do that. Now, you are a slave to something. Chain yourself to the thing that will make you most free. That is Christ. And if that doesn't sit well with you, just wait to the next point. It's going to blow your mind, this reality that the Christian lives into. So this opening phrase spoken to the bondservant is stay dressed for action, which is literally translated as let your loins stay girded. Now, what is a loin, and how do you gird one? The loin is this part, your midsection, your stomach area where strength comes from. And to, to gird it means to put a belt around it. And the reason it's phrased this way is because the, during the time of Jesus, it was hot. And so they would wear robes that were loose-fitting. And the robes would reach all the way to the ground. So if you took off running wearing one of these robes, you're going to trip and fall and stumble to the ground. The solution, gird your loins, wrap a belt around your waist, and then it's going to lift the robe up off of the ground, and it's going to fit tight to you, and now you can take off running and be ready for action. Have your lamp lit. If you wake up in the middle of the night in complete darkness, you can't do anything until you turn the lights on. You start bumping into walls, tripping over toys, stepping on Legos. It's horrible. Just turn the lights on or leave them on. So listen, expectancy. Expectancy runs all throughout all of the scriptures. 
the, the ancient Jews were supposed to be expectant for the advent, the coming of the Christ, the Messiah. We today are supposed to be expectant, seeking, alert for the second coming, the second advent, when Christ returns, the king returns and makes all things right. We're supposed to be looking. Are you living like you are in the greatest story that's ever been told? I think we get so bored with the mundane parts of the story that we are in that we lose sight of the story that we actually are in. It's like any good writer, they're not going to tell you every single detail about every single thing because it will take a lifetime for you to get through a novel. So what do they do? They tell you the important parts. Could it be that you are so staring at the mundane things that are happening every single day in your life that you've lost sight of the story that you are in. And don't you think that if you knew the story you were in and you were eagerly watching, you'd be looking for the parts that are unfolding, the next chapters. You'd be looking for the signs and reading, watching for the patterns if you're attentive. And what you're going to find, if, if you're looking close to this life that you are in, like look close, you're going to see something. You're going to see incarnation, advent, com the coming like presence of God, incarnation, death, resurrection, ascension, and return. So water falls to the earth. A seed enters into the ground. That seed dies so that life might burst out of that seed, burst up out of the grave, burst up out of the ground, and then that tree produces fruit with seeds in it. And then those seeds drop back to the earth and give life again. Resurrection's everywhere. The patterns are everywhere. But listen, you got to create space and margin in your life so that you can see the patterns. You're so caught up in everything that's happening in your life. You're so anxious. You're so determined about something. You, you have your eyes set on something and you're missing it. You're missing the grand story and you're missing all the smaller patterns of that story. You can't just show up here. You have to come here prepared. You have come here to meet the living God. Prepare your heart before you come here. And you're like, David, but I have kids. I got four of them. Oh, but David, I drank too much last night. Okay. Like, you're driving here, so pray. Pray with your family on the way here. Pray to your, with yourself on the way here. Prepare your heart to meet the living God. Be prepared. Be alert. Always. Preparation produces alert people. Read your Bible every day. Like, wake up in the morning. You know what it's going to do? It's going to make you start thinking about God. You start seeing patterns in scripture, and then you start looking for those patterns all around you. You're like, hey, God has been here. I didn't notice him before because I wasn't alert. If you have ever been to an amazing concert, I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why it was amazing. Because you were expectant before you went to that concert. You were prepared. You spent a little bit of money on these tickets, which made you more invested. Then you maybe had to drive like a further distance to get there. 
you're preparing yourself all the way. You got your friends with you. You've been talking about how awesome it's going to be. And then you get there and there's an amazing show. And part of the reason it's so amazing is because you are prepared for it. You are alert. You are expectant. This is the big grand show. And then, you know, Paul McCartney, he did this cool thing where he would just show up at random bars and then he'd put on a show. A small little crowd. No one knew he was coming. Can you imagine how cool that would be? So, so look, you have this grand adventure, this grand story that you are in where you're watching for the patterns, the ultimate return of the king. But then you have these small little concerts of God, these little whispers of God in your life. And you've got to be prepared for them to come because if you're not, if you're at the bar and you drink too much, you're going to miss Paul McCartney, Right? If you are not prepared for the coming of the king, you're going to keep missing him in your life. Then you're going to have this moment where you're so angry at him because he hasn't been around and he's been there the whole time. The patterns are everywhere. Always be prepared for the king of creation to come and sing to you. Both the final concert and the small ones that you will see every day and every week and every month and every year. And listen for his quiet voice that makes you wonder, was that him? Was that my God? If you question it, keep listening. You'll learn to know when it's him. And if you aren't prepared, you'll lose the blessing. Because when you heard the knock at the door, you said, oh, no, the master is here. I got to go get ready. All the good stuff happens upon his arrival. Second point, receiving the blessing. The master of the house comes and does something that shakes us to the core. He knocks, he enters in, and then he girds his loins, which means he puts a belt on, and he does it because he's about to serve. See, here, here is what you're looking for. Finally finding a master, not that you serve, but that serves you. Every, every ounce of you is looking for that. It says, don't be like men who are waiting for the master to return from the wedding feast. So they don't know the hour he's going to return. Wedding feast lasts up to a week. But he returns in the middle of the night. So what's he doing? Why isn't he there? He has left because he's in the middle of a meal and he thinks of his servants. And he says, I want to go. I want to spend some time with them. I want to serve them. And so he surprises them. And he spoils them with this rich meal. That means when it says recline at table, this is a meal that they're sharing. He's the one that's doing the serving. Now, this means one of two things. Either first, this is the Eucharist. This meal is the death of Christ. This is his body being broken, his blood being shed. So look for that. Same way you guys are expecting. Who's that at the door? I see you all looking over there. Oh, this is perfect. He's always knocking. You have to learn to listen. Thank you for that, whoever you are. So it's either one. It's this Eucharist, this this, uh, Lord's Supper, his body broken, his bloodshed. All right. The second option is the eternal meal has begun already in heaven's. 
And he's in the meal, and he leaves the meal to come and bring heaven to earth now. And the first thing he does is have a meal with us and share in the celebration. So it's one of those two things. You know what I think? I think it's a bit of both because it's showing us the pattern. Every time the king shows up, he serves. And he serves, and it's a party. And he brings life. He nourishes us. Now, I want you to imagine those servants were not prepared. They weren't ready. Look at me, look at me. They hear the knock, and they say, oh, no, the king's here. And they go rushing off to get ready. And they're tripping because they didn't have the lights on. The, light, the lights weren't lit. And they have to go pack their bags because they're going on this adventure with the king who's returned. They got to get their toiletries and everything. And by the time they get everything packed up and they walk into the dining hall, the meal is over. They missed it because they weren't ready. All the good stuff happens at his arrival. He comes to serve. Don't miss the blessing. He comes to serve. You are either a slave to something that is self-serving or you are a slave to the serving master, one or the other. Everything else demands that you serve it except for him. Why? Why is he the only one? Come back. Come back to me, guys, because there is nothing he needs from us. He knocks on the door not because he needs something. He is the king of creation. He is the very telos of existence. Everything is pointing to him. He is the prize at the end of the race. He needs nothing from you. So when he knocks on your door, he's come to serve. That's what happens when God arrives. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. The very fact of human history. Everything made is pointing to him, and he alone is the one who can serve you. Beauty. Beauty doesn't crave its own glory. It points you to the creator of beauty. Love, love, the great longing of humanity. The goal goes beyond to the source of love. Joy. Seek joy, you will not find it. Seek him and you find joy. Peace says, search for me and you will never find me until you find him because in him I am hidden. The magnificence of creation draws you to itself and then tells you of him. Every human hungers for him, the master of the banquet. So you have to be prepared to be served at the meal, not to serve him. This is like this is so mind-boggling about Christianity. The message of Christianity is not serve God. It's God came to serve you. So be prepared to behold him, his body broken like the, bro the bread, his blood shed. And be alert to the resurrection around you. Because he's faced off against the giants of death. He's faced off against the demons of hell. And he's faced the prince of darkness. And the evidence of his victory is everywhere. But you have to be alert to it. Or you miss it. And you have to be prepared for intimacy with him. 
He's not in the grave. He is risen, and he's dancing in the halls of your heart, and he's bringing light into the darkness of your soul. Today could be the hour of your last breath. Are you ready to meet him? And be ready with your belt on and the lights lit. Because the meal has begun. And look, he's going to come in an hour you don't expect. So stop trying to figure out when he's going to come. Just stop it. It says an hour you do not expect and be ready always. Stop trying to figure out when he's coming and just say he's coming and I should probably be ready. So where's, how do I gird my loins? He's on the move, so look for him everywhere. And until this big and glorious job, he gives you, this return, he gives you a job to do. And it's an amazing job. He makes you a steward of his throne. Steward of the throne of God. Peter hears this parable and then he says, Jesus, are you telling us this parable or is it for all? And Jesus gives his normal reply to a question, a story riddled with more questions. And in this story, he says, Peter, become a steward of my house while I'm gone. Now, look at me. If, if the God of creation tells you that you are a steward of his house, that means you are a steward of the throne. You're a steward of the throne. And each of you does this in your own way. There's thousands of thrones spread out over all the earth, and God has appointed you the responsibility over a specific group of people, every single one of you. You're responsible for those people. That includes your lives, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, basically any place where you have leadership that's either given or implied, or you have it by title. So parents, you are a steward of the throne in your household for your kids. They are his, and he loves them, and he has given you the responsibility to care for them. Steward the throne well. Husbands and fathers, you are given the throne over your entire household. Now, I'm going to tell you, the way the world goes has a lot to do with the way fathers and husbands are leading their family. Steward the throne well. Your jobs, maybe you're a boss. There's more at stake than you realize. And your friends, your friendship groups, maybe you have this unspoken leadership in your group, discipleship groups, leaders in the discipleship groups. Like God has given you responsibility for these people. Do not take it lightly. These are the ways you're stewarding the throne. You have no idea how important your job is that God has given you. Don't take it lightly. Serve them the way he served you. Prepare the meal. Look, this is about servant leadership. You don't look at the throne and say, ah, the throne is mine. Son, go get me a beer. You don't, you don't say, friends, go fetch me some dinner. And you're in, well, maybe I'll save that one for later. 
you're here to serve. You're a servant. And there's a warning here if you don't. If you mistreat those in your care, Jesus sees this as one of the vilest things you can do. It's betrayal type stuff. This is Judas type stuff. He has entrusted to you those he loves, and if you mistreat them, it says he will cut you in two. He'll break you. What does he mean here? Well, perhaps it's this. If you have seen him broken, like you've seen it, you've heard about it, but you never sat at the table, you just looked at it from a distance, you know what that means? You've never been nourished. You've never been given life. And so what's going to happen to you is because he hasn't been broken for you and you need life, you're going to look at your kids, you're going to look at your friends, you're going to look at your spouses, you're going to look at everything around you, and you're going to need to break those things so that you will have life. You will be sucking the life out of everyone around you without realizing it because you didn't go to the one who could only give you true life. And it's not going to work because they will be broken. They, you will break people you love if you don't have Christ. Because where are you going to go for life? You have to go to something outside of yourself. What will it be? His being broken for you saves you from breaking others. If you aren't served the meal... You never get the blessing. So in order to get the blessing, you chase after everything and break everything you touch to try to see if blessing is inside of it. And it's not there. It's in him and him alone. He's the one who gives you joy. He's the one that gives you peace. Nothing else. And if you keep breaking people, when he returns, he will break you. Because you've taken the things that you've loved and you've broken them. It's a leadership issue. The more people you lead, the more accountability you will have. Don't betray the throne. To whom much has been given, much is demanded. Meaning if you've been saved by the master of the house, you have to follow that same pattern. And so you go to others, you knock on their door, and they open up, and you gird your loins. You put the belt on, and you get ready to serve. You serve with all of your heart. This is the same stuff Jesus is doing when he's washing the disciples' feet. It's like live your life washing the feet of others. And you'll never do it if you've never seen him wash your feet. Because you're going to just be so desperate to have your own feet washed. You're going to be so needy without realizing it. You're going to put on so many walls pretending like you don't need your feet washed. But deep in the depths of you, you're going to want someone to serve you a meal. You're going to want someone to wash your feet. And you're going to demand it from others without realizing you're doing it because your feet have never been washed. The meal has never been served. So you're going to hunger for it. And you're going to hurt people along the way. True freedom is the willingness to serve others because you need nothing from them. Because you have all the riches in Christ. The richest man in all the earth has the riches of heaven that have been given through Christ. 
and needs nothing from this earth because he has everything in him. So every time he knocks on the door, it's this image of God knocking on the door saying, I have him, now let me give him to you. Share the meal with me. It's the only way to steward the throne well. It's the only way to lead well. You have to be filled. If you're empty and you try to lead, you will suck the life out of others because you'll need them. The greatest stewards of the throne are the ones who are expectant for his arrival. So look for him everywhere you go. Look for the signs. Look for the patterns. Like desperately searching to find him like someone who is dying of hunger. You are dying for the spiritual food of Christ. And then when you find him, sit down at the meal. Don't watch. Sit down. Experience the meal. Let him serve you. He did it by giving his life. He came and he fought for you and he gave his life upon the cross. And he went down into death and he rose up out of death. And then he rose up into the heavens. And he's king now. And your king now is waiting for the perfect moment that you will not know to return and make all things new. Until that day, steward the throne well. Be ready at all times and keep enjoying the meal. And if you do, you will be a good steward of the throne. You'll do it with courage and with love. So go to the banquet or listen for the knock, invite him in, sit down, enjoy the meal. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would teach us to be people who don't serve first, but receive the blessing first so that our service is pure, so that we are not taking while we think we're serving, but we're truly serving others. We can't do this without you, Jesus, so we pray that you would, you would just dine with us right now, that we would learn what it means to feast upon a meal that you have prepared for us and served for us. Teach us to enjoy our time with you. Teach us to make space to meet with this cosmically glorious Savior, you, Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. Like us on your favorite podcast provider. Follow our social media at Grove Church PSL. And check out our website, thegrovechurch.co.